God in heaven, today we are giving you praise and glory that you justly deserve and that we cannot adequately express. We thank you, we praise you, we celebrate your majesty, your grace, your supremacy over all things. When we consider world circumstances, when we think about storms, famines and droughts, when we think about drone attacks on oil facilities, when we think about all of these major world events and we're tempted to be afraid, we remember that you are God over it all. That Jesus rightly said to the representative Caesar, of Caesar, you have no power that isn't given to you from above. And so we recognize that our times are in the Lord's hands, especially if we have given our lives to Christ and are now living as members of the Lord's household. And so we pray with confidence, Lord, that our world will be okay even if there are times when we have to suffer discomfort and pain and who knows what. We will trust you through it all, knowing that in eternal terms, these are very temporary times. Oh God, we come with news of those who have experienced sudden and tragic loss. It happens all too often, Lord, and while we know our time's in your hands and we know that, uh, that for the believer there is an eternity that we can look forward to that is already happening, that doesn't change the grief that comes, that is naturally experienced because of sudden loss, because of permanent change in, in, in the temporal sense. And, and so we join with those who grieve this morning, Lord, those who are even in shock. We join with those whose losses are still fresh in their memory and grieve with them and mourn with them. But so too, we celebrate your glory and the hope that we have in you. Lord, we pray for those who are sick and injured, those who have surgeries and, and procedures that will improve their lives but come with pain and discomfort nonetheless. We pray, Lord, that you would intervene in a way that brings honor and glory to you. Since it is for our benefit that we pray, we ask that you might partner with those who help us in such a way that it bears witness to your glory. In other words, Lord, make those doctors, those nurses, those technicians, those experts, those people who relieve our problems and serve as the answer to our prayers, make them better than they know they are so that they have to acknowledge that the prayer of faithful people did make a difference because their Lord intervened. We pray, Lord, together in silent recognition of all the things that are on the hearts and minds of your people in this house today. We pray together in praise and worship and continue to seek you as we go into the word in just a moment to know you better and to engage our hearts and minds for your glory. But for now, Lord, we conclude our prayer by saying the words that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our scripture reading today, we're going to move to the next chapter of Ephesians. We're going to read from Ephesians. You know what? I just noticed on my sermon notes that that's not right. But in the bulletin, it is correct. So uh, in the bulletin, it says that we're going to read from chapter 5 of Ephesians, starting at verse 15 on page 1162. And that is where I'd like for you to turn. So together, we'll read that, and then we'll move on to a few words about it. So chapter 5 of Ephesians, page 1162, bottom left-hand corner there you see verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish but understand what the will of the Lord is and do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, when I was preparing for this message, I happened to look through the passage several times and I thought, you know, what should I say exactly about that passage? And sometimes you've got to go deep and sometimes you've got to go wide. And that, uh, that passage, I thought, you know, I remember when I had been a pastor, it was actually around the same time that story I told you a minute ago about my first funeral happened. I, I remember I was out in the garage piddling, cleaning up, doing something in our first parsonage, and I realized I was whistling hymns. And I thought, oh no, I'm a pastor. <laughs> and I can't help it, I whistle hymns. <laughs> Phil knows what I'm talking about, right? You just you know, it's funny thing that comes over you. And I immediately had reflections of that pastor from the Waltons who was a little bit over the top. And, you know, he was always whistling hymns and things. And I thought, man, I sure hope I don't get weird. I'm sure you're all glad to see that that hasn't happened, right? <laughs> ah, your laughter betrays you. So I, I said that because, you know, Paul says we should greet each other with hymns and, you know, all that, and I, but, but what we're going to realize is that this passage, he's, he's speaking in, in a sort of, it's almost like he's, he's if, you, if you look at the whole book of Ephesians, he's sort of getting wound up as he goes along, you know, and, and uh, my friend George Ball says sometimes, Dan, you get lathered up, and that's just because preachers do that, you know, and, and uh, that, that's, uh, that's kind of what Paul's doing here. He just, he's getting wound up. He's really getting fired up. And, and what he's trying to say is, is that when you refocus your mind and really start living in the spirit, you find yourself 
going down a, an entirely different road with your life, that, that your walk is different, that you think about things differently and you interpret the world around you differently and the way you talk to other people changes. And it's especially gratifying when you're talking to other people who share your beliefs. Yesterday, our presenter uh, for the training program uh, mentioned to the group how pleased he was when he came here that he found new brothers and sisters in Christ. And I can tell you I'm very pleased that that's what he noticed when he came here, that he found in me a brother in Christ. He found in the other people from our church that he met brothers and sisters in Christ. Here is a man who's a police officer and a believer from somewhere in, in uh, central Ohio who's come here to share with us, and he found more family of God to be around. And so when you're around other believers, you may not talk to each other with psalms and hymns, but your conversations in their very best moments sound a lot like psalms and hymns. That's the idea behind that statement. So I want to ask you today, have you ever driven down a country lane and the pavement ran out and then it turned to gravel and then the gravel ran out and it turned into a couple of ruts in the road and then and then it got seemed like it was getting darker and then you swore you could even hear banjos plucking. <laughs> Has that ever happened to you? My wife, if she was here, would say, yeah, and it's usually your fault. Yeah, this is a message for men and their families. So, uh, or maybe it's the other way around. Maybe as a matter of convenience and speed, you routinely get on the interstate because you're just interested in getting where you want to be. And you're flying down the road with your cruise control set and all of a sudden you're around a bend and the traffic comes to a complete stop and you're stuck in a traffic jam. Has that ever happened to you? Yeah. Well, you're looking at kind of two extremes uh, of, of points of view that I want to visit today. There are those who will, for the sake of pleasure, for the sake of their wants, and I'm one of these kind of people that does this, will want to explore and look for a different way to get where you're going. And, and so my exploration will sometimes lead me down that crooked path that starts feeling a little frightening. Or it might put me in the heart of a city, driving through a neighborhood where I wish I hadn't and actually chosen that, true, that unwise route. And then there are those who prefer to move quickly and get where you want to go. And for those people, it's a matter of kind of traveling is a necessary part of, of getting where you want to go, but there's no particular enjoyment of the journey itself. Um, have you seen that video that was going around, uh, that picture on the internet the last couple of weeks of the couple that was sound asleep in their self-driving car? You know, that's a new thing now. These self-driving cars are starting to become common and, and, uh, and there's this picture on the internet of these two people just sound asleep in their cars driving them somewhere and I'm thinking, that's frightening. That's a little frightening. But let me ask you something. Have you had the occasion to set the cruise control and start down the highway on your way to a destination and then you suddenly sort of snap out of your stupor and realize that 25 miles have gone by and you don't remember any of it? Has that ever happened to you? Yeah. Well, we do that in our lives too, you know. How many times have you experienced an entire week passing with the same sort of blur and you don't even remember what you did this week? You just sort of 
awakened one moment and realized that several days of your life had gone by and you're not really sure what happened. It's funny how that happens. It's like we somehow find ourselves, especially in these times of technology and speed and immediate uh, gratification, we have a tendency to put our lives on cruise control. And what I want to talk about for a minute is what is it that we're living for exactly? The wise walk is a sort of metaphorical way that Paul is trying to drive us to think, to be mindful, to be alert to every moment and every hour of our days and to live each moment because one thing you don't know for sure if it's your last and the other thing is is that you'll have a lot more uh, richness in your life if you've actually taken time to live every moment. So avoid living on cruise control. The Apostle Paul says in his letter to Corinth, the church at Corinth, he says this, God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. He says, in the time of my favor, I heard you, and in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. In other words, wake up. Right now matters. Right this minute matters. Each day of your life is a blessing, and each moment of your life is a moment that is lived under the blessing of God's favor. Don't take God's grace and live it in vain. Unfortunately, one of the biggest responsibilities I feel as a pastor is, is leading church people to an awakening of their spirits because Unfortunately, in churches, there are often lots of people who have gone all their lives to a church and have always made the hymns and the psalms a part of their lives, but it hasn't really affected their lives. And I meet them many times at their moment of crisis. I meet them when they get the diagnosis or I meet them when the hours are few for their loved one who's about to depart. And all of a sudden I find out how much the psalms and the songs and the worship really affected how they interpret what's happening in their world. And it breaks my heart that they could know so much and yet know so little. And it really comes down to how you spend the hours and the moments of your life. It really comes down to whether you are living your life on cruise control or whether you're working each moment of your life, working out your salvation with fear and trembling, which again is metaphorical. It's simply to say, Lord, I don't want to miss anything. Some of us are going to be going to Israel in a month or so, and when we go, I'm going to tell you right now, as long as I can physically do it, I plan on staying awake a lot. And I've always done this when I'm traveling to new places, and it's because I don't want to miss anything. I stay awake on the airplane because I want to look out the window and see what's down there, because even though I've never been to the Alps, I've seen the Alps from an airplane. I've seen... London and I've seen Moscow and I've seen uh, Germany and I've seen all kinds of amazing places from the window of an airplane because I didn't want to sleep through it. You know, that's just me, but I don't plan on sleeping much while we're on our trip. You all should know that. But when we get back, I plan on making up for it. <laughs> so I may fall asleep on a few of the sermons when we get back myself. 
but it's the way I think we're supposed to live every day of our lives, wide awake, hungry to see what God is going to lay before you again today, meeting people that God may have directed to you for a very specific purpose. And when I meet people or when opportunities present themselves to me, I find myself always asking, God, is this you? You know, uh, there's, there's a passage that I'm trying to remember exactly where I read it, but it was just in my devotions this week that basically said um, that you should listen carefully to the spirits. It's 1 John. I think it's referenced in my notes on the back page here. 1 John says that you should listen carefully to the spirits and make sure that it's the spirit of God you're listening to. You know, so each day when someone comes to me with a with a you know proposal, they'll say, "Hey, I was thinking we could do this or we could do that." I listen and I think, "Well, God, is that you? Is this something you want to do?" Uh, I just try to be wide awake to those things, and I I feel that my life is so much more rewarding because I do so. And so I want to encourage you, men, how many times in your lives? Have you just cruised through a week and you don't even remember conversations you had? Isn't it sad that we have conversations with people and because we're Christians who go to church every week, we'll say to them, well, I'll pray about that. And then on Sunday morning, when you come to your house of worship, you don't even remember that day or that week. Because already, you know, how many of you have ever caught yourself saying, I've slept since then as your excuse for not remembering things it's probably true but the sad thing is you were probably wide awake now choosing the right path jesus says is not hard to do because one thing is going to be certain in matthew 7:13, he says that the gate to the wrong path is wide and the way is easy so if you want to choose the right path, if you want to choose the right way to go through your life, it's probably not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. I find that these are the opportunities that often present themselves when it's inconvenient. Um, I have a number of tasks I try to accomplish every week. Tasks that are important to you and to me and important to our shared journey as a staff and as leadership here. But I welcome the interruptions because I think that's part of the job. I think it's three quarters of my job is to live for the interruptions to my tasks. And yet sometimes, just like my sermon notes having the wrong scripture reference on them, something suffers because I was embracing the interruptions. And then when I went back to my task, I didn't remember where I left off. Here's hoping that whenever you notice for the remainder of our time together here, whenever you notice glitches in my tasks, you can hope and hopefully agree with me that it was because I had time for somebody. When you're at work, when you're doing your life, and something happens that is preventing you from doing what you thought was important, are you willing to own it as an opportunity to be present to things that may be of God? That's the point that I wish you could take. You see, a lot of us are 
living for a time when we'll have the time to do what matters. A lot of us are working hard and long hours in order to get the money and earn the pension and to make the time that we're going to put to work for us. And you know what Jesus says about that. He says, you, you built a new barn for your stuff and tonight God called you to heaven. In other words, now is the time. Live God's grace without vainly pursuing something that hasn't happened yet. In the same way, don't be tempted to live for pleasure's sake and only live for the wants in your life. Because the danger there is that you will not have heard and experienced those things that you really are responsible for. Like your loved ones, like your children, your spouse, your grandchildren. Those people with whom you journey because you work together. Think about how many hours you spend with the people you work with. In most cases, we spend more time with the people we work with than we do with our families. And so it's important that we're invested in each other in a more personal way so that we are not tempted to be mindless of the opportunities that God has laid before us. Today's message is really just a way to set the stage for what we'll do over the next few weeks as we're going to be challenged, not just by me, but by others, to be mindful, to be aware of every moment of your life and to live every moment like it's important. And as a men's emphasis, it's a particularly important message because men I know, traditionally anyway, have a tendency to work very hard for the things they want and the things that they hope to do someday. And there's always somebody who suffers, but none more than the one who lost track of the why. In other words, if you, like so many from the generation of my father, worked in order to provide everything that you thought would make for a great life for your family, and then one day, your retirement came and you realized that you didn't know your kids anymore. You didn't know your spouse anymore. You didn't know yourself anymore. Then it would all have been maybe not as meaningful as it should have been. I'll tell you a little secret. I joke sometimes with the people I work with and my family about Pastor Dan as though I'm not him. You know what I'm saying? Because Pastor Dan is my job, it's my role, it's a, it's, a, it's a part of me that is real and authentic and genuine, but it's also not entirely who I am. And so I have to make sure that my family and my friends never miss out on the opportunity to be with just plain old Dan, where I don't have to be Pastor Dan all the time. And then there are those moments in my life when I hear God calling very loudly, very clearly, you are Pastor Dan and I need you to be him right now in a big way. We just remembered the 9-11 anniversary and I remember distinctly that day, as all of you do, that I was called by God to be Pastor Dan in a big moment 
where it required someone to be God's face and voice and hands and feet for a hurting congregation. So it is with each of us men, we have our roles to fulfill. And when we fill those roles, God expects us to be that in a way that gives God glory and serves God pur God's purposes. But God never wants you to do your role at the expense of your self, not to sacrifice that person that only God knows, that person that God intends for you to be for all eternity. C.S. Lewis puts it this way, the things of the flesh will die with the flesh, meaning those mental pursuits, all the, all the degrees, all the trainings, all the knowledge, all of that kind of stuff, the data that we store in our brains, it dies with the flesh. The soul lives on to eternity. Are you taking care of your soul? Are you nurturing your relationship with your creator, your father, your savior, your Lord? Are you a citizen of the kingdom of Christ for all eternity? Let us pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Now burn it upon our hearts that we might be changed forever because your Holy Spirit entered in and nurtured our spirits. Lord, add to my words whatever must be in order to make them complete. Take away whatever was of my flesh and of no particular value to your purpose so that you will be the author of today's word. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Thank you.